Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down box or call 630-629-1720 Morningstar Books and Gifts 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois Christ is born, glorify him. We bring you greetings during this post-Christmas season when actually we are between the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ and his theophany or his baptism in the River Jordan by the hand of John, which we call theophany Eastern churches because it was a manifestation of the Trinity in that moment. So it's the huge, huge feast day coming up for us. In fact, this Sunday, if you're on the Gregorian calendar, for those Eastern churches on the Gregorian calendar, this Sunday is actually the Sunday before the theophany. So once again, you see how we in the Eastern churches have that bell curve kind of rhythm to our feast days. We sort of a buildup, preparation, a pre-feast, the climactic point itself, and then the post-festive period, sort of like the sort of the other side of the bell curve, sort of the gradual coming down and, and out, only to repeat the cycle again. As I mentioned, we are on the Gregorian calendar, but our Orthodox brethren, some of them are still on the Julian calendar, which means it'll be Christmas for them coming up and not Theophany, not quite yet. And so we will wish them a blessed Christmas for those who are on the Julian calendar. And speaking of our Orthodox brethren, before we get any further today on our program, we want to pause and express our sympathies to the Orthodox Church in America, to all those Orthodox Christians, because they had a tremendous loss recently in December. Archbishop Job passed away. Archbishop Job was a bishop out in Chicago, where, of course, Light of the East comes from. He was the Orthodox Archbishop of Chicago for the Midwestern region of the Orthodox Church of America, also known as the, for short, OCA. And Archbishop Job as many remember him, was a very talented artist. He was a composer of Russian chant, an iconographer, and all-around nice guy. In 1970, he was ordained as a priest and later assigned to a parish in Blacklick, Pennsylvania. He became a monk and later on, of course, a bishop and finally archbishop here in Chicago. He was a monk, as I mentioned, and it was his desire basically to return to that lifestyle. He was actually kind of looking towards retirement. He longed for that life of contemplation, obviously having an artist, contemplative spirit. He was good in music and good in art, prayer, liturgy, and so on. So I can very, very much imagine he had this desire to eventually spend the rest of his life, the latter years of his life, in contemplation, doing what the soul of a monk, artist, musician would want to do most, and that is to just have intimacy with God through the gifts that God has given them. 
But he didn't quite have that chance. Perhaps now he is having it. We prayerfully hope, obviously, he is having it now in heaven. He is having what he desired, that intimacy with God, contemplating the very face and presence of God in heaven now that he has passed on. He was 63 years old, and he was noted most recently for helping to straighten up a scandal that occurred in the Orthodox Church in America at their very top levels. And of course, this is not hanging out dirty laundry. It was kind of known. It did make some of the news. And and we've had scandals always in the church from time to time. Always a church is in need of cleansing, of renewal. And so this Archbishop Job kind of led the way for that in the Orthodox Church. And many of his confreres believe and those closest to him that this probably did take a bit of a toll on him. And now finally he has passed on rather suddenly, unexpectedly, again at a young age, 63. So we do send our condolences once again to all of his people, all of his flock that he shepherded so well, the Orthodox Church in America, especially in the Midwest region. The interesting thing about Bishop Job is that he actually came from a tradition where he had a Roman Catholic father, but an Orthodox mother. And he was strongly influenced by the faith and church of his Orthodox mother. And he found his call to the priesthood in the Orthodox Church, although his father was Roman Catholic. And oftentimes this happens in the church. Someone may have come from a family of what we call mixed parents, other ones, someone may belong to the Eastern Catholic churches or even the Eastern Orthodox churches, and the other parent might belong to the Western lung of the church. They may be Roman Catholic or even Protestant. And oftentimes, the individual find their vocation in one or the other lung of the church. And for Bishop Job, it was in the Eastern lung of the church. So once again, our condolences, our prayers are with the Orthodox Church in America. And may God grant eternal rest and a blessed repose to his servant, the Bishop Job, and may his memory be eternal. We have more news about our Orthodox brethren, which again, we're going to get to in a second, but I'd like to pause for a second and bring to the microphone here, Katie, formerly Katie the Byzantine, now of course, Katie Goulas. Katie, great to have you back from school. Thanks, it's great to be back. Yeah, we kept your place warm there there behind the microphone. Thank you very much. (laughs) Katie, we got, speaking of Orthodoxy and centers of Orthodox Christianity, of Eastern Christianity, there is an exciting opportunity coming up for anyone to actually go to the birthplace, the womb, as it were, of the Eastern Lung of the Church. And tell us about that. Well, Father Tom, it's a couple of months away, but it's worth starting to think about now. The Eastern Church's Journal, Eastern Christian Publications, and the Orientale Lumen Foundation announce a popular and scholarly conference for lay men, lay women, religious, and clergy entitled Orientale Lumen Euro East 3, modeled after two previous conferences in Constantinople and over 10 years of success in Washington, D.C., this conference will be held from Monday afternoon, July 5th, until midday on Thursday, July 8th, 2010, in Constantinople or Istanbul, Turkey, at the Hilton Hotel and the Hulki School of Theology. The theme will be the Councils of the Church. And this conference is open to the public, but it does require pre-registration. The conference will provide an opportunity for Roman Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, Eastern Catholics, and Oriental Orthodox to gather, uh, discuss, and learn about their respective traditions. It will include presentations by scholars and theologians, liturgical celebrations of many varieties, and opportunities for everyone to learn from each other and participate in the dialogue of love and understanding. And I'd also like to note that after July 8th, on Saturday and Sunday, July 10th and 11th, 
There will be side trips to the island of Patmos, which will include a tour of the monastery of St. John the Evangelist, the cave of St. John, and Vespers in the monastery chapel, and also a tour to Ephesus, to the Virgin Mary's house with divine liturgy at Mary's house grotto and ancient Ephesus ruins. So this sounds like a really fun, a really great opportunity to learn more about your own faith and the faith of others, and just an all-around great experience. Absolutely is, Katie. And I made that trip a few years ago, and it's coming up once again. And I'll tell you, Istanbul is a, is a marvelous city. It's an incredible city. Great food, great people, lots of traffic, but somehow they know how to drive. And, you know, I, I thought that when I lived in Rome, I thought those uh, Rome taxi cab drivers were like expert race car drivers. But man, they've got nothing over these uh, these taxi cab drivers in Istanbul. <laughs> it's a very crowded, fast-paced city, but somehow they survive. And it's a beautiful city on the on the Bosphorus, you know, the, you know, the Black Sea. Uh, great food. It's got, of course, great spices. They're known for its spices. That's where, of course, it's sort of like the gateway to Asia, really. It's sort of the, the crossroads between Asia, like China and Russia and areas east, and the, and the Middle East, and then into Europe. So that's why it was so strategic to Constantine, the Roman Emperor, and then he eventually expanded his empire and made Byzantium the center, and of course, renaming it for himself Constantinople. And from there, in the fourth century, is where this mighty Eastern Church was born. You mentioned the school of Halki, you mentioned the patriarch of Constantinople, and ironically enough, there was a wonderful little interview on 60 Minutes with Patriarch Bartholomew, who is called the Ecumenical Patriarch, which means basically he would be, to put it in Catholic terms as it were, Catholic understanding, he would be kind of like what you might say is the Eastern Pope as it were, something like an Eastern Pope. Now, I know that's not a real fair description, but I'm just trying to use it to give an idea, especially to our Latin Rite brethren who might be listening, or those who are not of the Eastern Lung of the Church, to try to visualize this. He would be the most prominent patriarch, ecclesiarch, of all of the Eastern churches. Now, there are other patriarchs. There is no number one patriarch, as it were. But when all is said and done, in the East, this Patriarch Bartholomew is probably looked upon as basically the, the Eastern version of the Pope for the Eastern Lung. He is the head of 300 million Orthodox Christians, and basically they're Greek Orthodox, but he is centered in Istanbul, which, of course, used to be Constantinople. It's modern-day Turkey. It is a country that is 99% Muslim. However, it's a country that also is at the same time secular. In other words, you cannot actually wear, whether you're Muslim or a Christian or whoever, you cannot wear religious garb in public in Turkey, which is kind of interesting. It's kind of hard, really, for both Muslims and for the Eastern Orthodox Christians because they're used to wearing their clerical garb almost all the time, even in public. But I guess to keep the peace, they made that rule in Turkey. So you cannot wear clerical garb. And the patriarch of Constantinople, as I mentioned, had a marvelous little interview. He was interviewed by Bob Simon on 60 Minutes, and this happened on December 20th, 2009. And we're going to talk about that interview in a few minutes, and we're going to hear actually excerpts from the ecumenical patriarch himself. But once again, I'm going to ask Katie to mention the, the place, the site that you can go to to avail yourself of this trip to the home of the ecumenical patriarch. The website is olconference.com. Once again, that's olconference.com. I'm Father Thomas Loya. I'm here with Katie Gullis on Light of the East.
Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church has something special for your holiday table this Christmas season. Now imagine an incredibly delicious nut roll or poppy seed roll from the kitchens of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church. These ample and substantial old world treats are over a foot long, made with loving care from old world recipes. Just $15 each. To order your nut roll or poppy seed roll, call 708-645-0241. That's 708-645-0241. Pick up at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, 14610 Wilcook Road in Homer Glen, Illinois. Can't get to the church? We'll put it in the mail. Just add $5. Call 708-645-0241. That's 708-645-0241. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, nut and poppy seed rolls. The Daughters of St. Paul sponsor a monthly study group on The Theology of the Body. The discussions are led by Father Thomas Loya. Glory to Jesus Christ. Every second Saturday during the month at Pauline Books and Media, 172 North Michigan Avenue in Chicago, from 10.30 until 12 noon Central Time. Simultaneously and interactively video streamed live online. online. As you know, we are concerned about the sacramental liturgical worldview as delivered by John Paul II's Theology of the Body. For more information, go to daughtersofstpaul.com or call 312-346-4228. And now, back to Light of the East. Welcome back. Again, we're thrilled to have Katie Gullis back here behind the microphone here at the Light of the East studios. And we're talking about our Eastern Orthodox brethren. Again, our sympathies and prayer goes out to them at the loss of Archbishop Job, the Archbishop in the Midwestern part of the United States for the Orthodox Church of America. We're also talking about a living ecclesiarch from the Orthodox Church, and that, of course, is the Patriarch Bartholomew, the Ecumenical Patriarch. During the interview of 60 Minutes, Bob Simon asked him, and this shows you how humble a man that he is, and he's a brilliant man. He's a lot like the Pope. It's like Pope Benedict XVI or Pope John Paul II. This great leader of the Eastern Church is also a very, very brilliant and holy man, and a humble man. He was asked, how should we refer to you? And he responded, just call me Bartholomew. (laughs) And then he kind of qualified. He says, well, technically, I would be called your all holiness. So that's how you refer to the patriarch in the Eastern Church as your all holiness. And not only is he humble as a person, but he is, in a sense, forced to live humbly. Actually, I will expand that word, and really I'll use the word in a certain humiliation. You see, this is the mother church, the center, the womb out of which the mighty and great entire eastern lung of the church was birthed and grew. It boasted of the most magnificent church in all of Christian history at one time, Hagia Sophia, which still stands to this day. And yet... Where the patriarch lives, he lives in an area that is nothing like the Vatican. It is about one acre, 
with nine buildings tightly crunched in on this one acre. He has an office. In fact, the interview actually showed the office. It was small. He doesn't have many, many rooms and all kinds of galleries and so on like the Pope does. And his desk was just covered with all kinds of papers and books and so on. That's all the room that he has. So here's this great man from a once mighty church who lives very humbly and in a way of almost humiliation. In fact, the Vatican, for them, is actually called the Fanar, which you will visit if you go on the Oriental Lumen trip that we just talked about earlier. And the Fanar is surrounded by barbed wire. In fact, during the interview, the 60 Minutes interview, they they reported there was already a threat on the patriarch's life during that interview. But it's something he kind of lives with all the time. And so the interviewer asked him, he said, why, why are you here? And his response, a patriarch's response was, we are here before this country became a Muslim country before this kind of prejudice and oppression. And so that's one of the reasons why they stay. You see, what happened, there was great tension in Turkey over the centuries. It was sort of the meaning point of Islam and Christianity. And in fact, in the 15th century, the great mighty Constantinople, the mighty church of the East, fell to the Muslims, the invading Muslims in the 15th century. And since then has been just a shadow of its former self, but it has remained in that country. And that country has been marked historically by all kinds of prejudice and even genocide and horrible things. In fact, one and a half million Christians were expelled from Turkey in 1923. Can you imagine? And again, after some protests in 1955, this all came out on the brief but very good interview on 60 Minutes. And the patriarch admitted that he and his people, Christians, are treated as second-class citizens in Turkey. Now, one thing I want to mention, though, if you read the patriarch's writings or if you hear him talk, and I've, I've met him personally and been at places where he has spoken, he speaks about how well he does get along with his Muslim brethren, the charity that he does with them and for them and together. So when he speaks about the oppression and about the, the humiliation, about, in a sense, being a prisoner in his own country, he's speaking in a sort of a general term. But on the one-on-one, he gets along very well with his Muslim brethren. They work together, oftentimes in great charity. So I just want to bring a, a sort of balance to that perspective. I mentioned the writings of Patriarch Bartholomew, and Katie's going to read a little bit of some of his writings from a recent book that has come out. And Katie will give us the title of the book and where you can get it. It's a great book. I've read it myself. The title of the book is Encountering the Mystery, Understanding Orthodox Christianity Today by, of course, his father, Tom said, his all holiness ecumenical patriarch Bartholomew. And this is a little passage I'm going to have Katie read that really makes some very salient points and is, is indicative of the brilliance of this patriarch. In a passage that's subtitled The Earth and All Within, Patriarch Bartholomew says, In recent years, we have learned some important lessons about caring for the natural environment. However, we have also learned that environmental action cannot be separated from human relations. What we do for the earth is intimately related to what we do for people, whether in the context of human rights, international politics, poverty, social justice, or world peace. It has become clearer to us that the way we respond to the natural environment is directly related to and reflected in the way we treat human beings. The willingness of some people to exploit the environment as the flesh of the world goes hand in hand with their willingness to ignore human suffering in the flesh of our neighbors. Thank you, Katie. One of the things that did not come out in the interview, because the interview was very brief, and so it was focused on certain things, but the patriarch, Patriarch Bartholomew, is a world-class environmentalist. In other words, he, he actually leads international conferences on the environment, and that's why what you heard Katie read was a little selection regarding his position on the environment. It's something 
something we call, and is very much a part of the Eastern Christian spirituality, the sacramental approach to nature, to the environment. You notice he started out by talking about the human person first. In other words, we are in the image and likeness of God. And from that understanding, everything else emanates, including and especially how we perceive creation itself, how we interface with it starts with the fact of and the sort of the theological anthropology of the human person. Once we get that right, we see the human person sacramentally and liturgically, we can then see the rest of the world this way, and then we can interface with it correctly. That's how we solve the problems of the environment or the economy or healthcare or anything, is taking this view, which is so much a part of the Eastern lung of the church, this sacramental view of the human person and of all of life. And he mentioned that in his book. In fact, the book weaves that theme throughout the entire book, which I would highly recommend uh, for reading. If you really get a, really a, a good understanding of the soul of the Eastern churches, it's the Patriarch's book called Encounter. Countering the mystery. When the patriarch was being asked about the situation in Turkey, one of the most touching moments in the interview is when they were walking with the patriarch Bartholomew on an island inside a school, which is called the Halki School of Theology, which was closed in 1971 by the Turks. And this was especially touching because it was the patriarch's alma mater. It's where he learned theology, studied for the priesthood there. And it is one of the greatest centers of Eastern studies in the world. And it sits there totally idle. There's a few monks that live there, kind of oversee it. It's on an island. It's a beautiful setting. Um, as I said, I was there. It was a moving experience to be there. And as the interviewer said in this interview, when you walk into this school, the desks are still there. It's like as if school can start tomorrow and as though it just ended yesterday. But yet the school has been closed, shut down, no activity since 1971. It has a magnificent library of manuscripts and books on the Eastern theology. There is few places in the world that are as valuable as this place for learning about Eastern theology. And unfortunately, it's it's closed down. Maybe someday, hopefully we pray it'll be reopened and it will, believe me, it'll be a mighty sender for studies in the Eastern church. And just to show you the situation that the patriarch is in, when he was asked again by the interviewer, why do you stay here? It's so heartbreaking. It's so humiliating. Why do you stay here? And I'll, and I'll let you listen to the patriarch himself answer this question. We prefer to stay here, even crucified sometimes, because in the gospel it is written that it is given to us not only to believe in Christ, but also to suffer for Christ. He said, even to be crucified sometimes. Yes, because we believe in the resurrection. After the crucifixion, resurrection comes. Do you feel personally, Your Holiness, that you are being crucified sometimes? Yes, I do. If you treated as second-class citizens here, and you are Greek, why don't you go to Greece? Because we love our country, we are born here, we want to die here. We feel that our mission is here, as it has been for 17 entire centuries. 17 centuries. 17 centuries. And uh, I wonder why the authorities of our country do not respect this history. You know, Father Tom, that really reminds me of what our people went through in 
Carpathian Mountains mm-hmm. in, in Eastern Europe when they were being persecuted by the communists. They didn't leave either because they understood what their mission was there and they saw a real need to be there as well. Yes, it was where they were born, where their heritage was, just like with the uh, patriarch. We're talking about heritage that goes back centuries, you know, family lineage that goes back centuries, you know, a deep, deep sense of rootedness in the land, in the peoples, and simultaneously integrated with that with the faith. You know, you can't separate those things out. You cannot just compartmentalize them and so easily leave them behind. You're right, Katie, our, our people, because we are of Slavic descent, our church came from Central Europe, they suffered terribly under communism, and of course, the most most brilliant account of that, most moving, heart-wrenching account of that is in a book that we've been touting here in Light of the East called Finding a Hidden Church by Reverend Christopher Zuger. This book just came out this past year, and it's highly recommended to get a real sense of really, as you say, what our people went through and their loyalty. Just as the patriarch said, they love their land, their faith. They were born there. They have a sense of mission there, and they died there. Though many immigrants came over here, Many of them, of course, you just said, stayed, even despite all the hardship under communism and even since communism and trying to crawl out from that and sort of regain civilization and regain their church once again. Well, I want to thank you for listening to us here in Light of the East. And Katie's going to remind you one more time about this conference and where you can go for it. Once again, the conference is called Orientale Lumen Euro East 3, the Councils of the Church. It's going to be held from July 5th to the 8th, 2010 in Constantinople or Istanbul, Turkey. And to get more information on it, you can visit the website at olconference.com. That's olconference.com. I'm Father Thomas Loya. I'm Katie Goulis. On Light of the East. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610. Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. <laughs>